All right, welcome again. Baruch Haba, uh, not about us, listeners, viewers, uh, all the above. Uh, thank you for coming one more time and checking us out. Uh, as always, I'm Scott. And I'm Brad. And this is Not About Us. Like I said, thanks for joining us one more time. This is our next Genesis podcast, but this is going to be a little bit different. I, I'm not going to move forward into Genesis. Uh, I was telling Brad, this, is, this feels kind of like a clip show <laughs> from, a, from a sitcom. Uh, I'm, I'm going to, I decided to go back. I've talked about it in other podcasts that I was thinking about doing this. I decided to go back and review some of my older podcasts and check some things out. And I just want to present some notes here on stuff that I discovered, you know, going back over them. A few errors uh, that I want to correct, a few things I want to point out, um, uh, a few things that there are no changes. I just, I, it really meant something to me. It really hit me at the time, and I just want to go over it again. But there are a few things that just touched me in a new way, and I thought it was pretty cool. So I want to bring that up as well. So, but before we start, Brad, uh, do you have anything to say uh, about what we're doing here today? And uh, if not, just uh, kick us off in prayer. I don't like change. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you. No, this should be exciting. I thought about this too with Revelation, but I need to just keep going on that one. <laughs> maybe, maybe someday I'll get back and look over some of my stuff. But no, I'm, I'm actually... I, I've mentioned this before, but... One of the reasons, if you guys have noticed, you know, I mean, Genesis, we're up to like, what, 45? I don't know, 40? I think we just 40. hit, I think we just hit. 40. Just hit 40. So. And Revelation is on like 13. It's actually 12 or 13, somewhere around it's there. It's closer to 20 because uh, part, it's, it's probably about 16, 17. 16, 17? Yeah. Okay. But part of the reason for the disparity, as I've mentioned this before, is Brad does all the editing. He, uh, he does all the extra work. He spends more time than I do on that part of it. And uh, so I, I, I so much appreciate that. I want to give you your credit and your due. but And babies. And babies. <laughs> and two twins definitely helps. But, but I think that's one thing. You know, I mean, when I'm uh, this far in, I have a lot more to go back and go, uh, hey, that, you know, I want to recover that. You know, let's change that. You're, you're a lot closer to the beginning. You've at least got chapters done where as we all know i can't get past one verse at a time so yes <laughs> um but yeah on that note no let's i'm actually excited for this i'm excited to see what new stuff and and there's been many times within the genesis study where it's something has just flat out hit me emotionally or you know yeah. really made me think and so no i don't mind going back and reviewing some of this stuff and and it's always better if we do it with the right intentions in mind. So in that, speaking of that, let's, let's get into prayer. Yahweh, Yeshua, Spirit, thank you. Thank you again for podcast day and for these studies and for being with us and, and helping us uncover the, the, the deeper meaning of things, things that you want us to see and things that you want us to share but none of that is because we're capable of doing it 
It's only because yeah. you Thank are you. here with us and, 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 and you help guide us and, oh, yes. and let our hearts be, be thankful for that and let our hearts be open for that so we can clearly hear you when you're trying to show us and tell us stuff. And uh, we just we just want to give you all the praise. We just want to give you all the Hallelujah. glory. Hallelujah. We just want to give you all the respect that you're due. Oh, thank you. You are worthy. And you are awesome. You are our awesome father. You want to be intimate with us. You are amazing, even though we don't deserve it. And we don't always ask for it. So thank you for pursuing us. And thank you for this. And thank you for helping us through these podcasts, these studies. Please be with us, be with us here again today as we look back at some of the stuff we've already talked about with new stuff, new revelations, new understandings, and uh, just help keep this spirit alive in us at all times. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Yahweh. Oh, hallelujah. So... Um, as I get into this, I only, as you can see, I went really old school. Uh, I was just listening to the podcast and writing down things that jumped out at me. So I don't have thing for every single podcast. I just have some notes here and there, but pretty much it's only through Genesis study number 16. So I'll do another one at some other point for later podcasts after that. And like I said, these are only highlights, things that hit me as I was reviewing them. The first one, just a brief little error uh, that I had, Genesis podcast number one, uh, I was talking about Dr. Hugh Ross and how he uh, read Genesis one and was amazed at how perfectly it described the creation of the universe. And in that podcast, I talked about him as a PhD, as an astrophysicist, uh, discovering this. Uh, uh, I just want to clarify, at the time, I didn't, I didn't realize I got more information about him later. Uh, he was a teen when he did that. I, 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 it's a minor thing, but I did. I expressed it incorrectly in the first one. Dr. Hugh Ross, uh, the, the story is he was, when he was very young, he knew he wanted to be, he, he loved the stars. He loved the universe and he wanted to, he, he knew he wanted to, to do that. He wanted to study the stars as a career. So when he was like, I don't know, six, seven, eight years old, he set his, he set himself up to study the universe. And he decided uh, one, every year he was going to pick a new topic about the universe. And he was just going to focus on that and study it for an entire year. And he did that for like 12 years. So um, I want to say 10, 11, 12 years because he was 17 years old uh, when he studied, when he was, when he was studying the universe and, and had to say, look, there's a God. Uh, so he wasn't, he is now a PhD. He is now an astrophysicist. He is now a, or a, a, whatever he is. Go look him up. <laughs> Probably getting something else wrong about him, but he's got an amazing life story uh, of so many things happening uh, uh, since this time. But this is how he came to the con he came to the conclusion when he was seventeen years old. Just he just by studying the stars, he came to understand that there was a God and being diligent about him 
<clears throat> being diligent about it, God rewarded him by giving him truth. Yeah. He was digging, and then that, that may not even been what he was digging for. Yeah, he was just fascinated with the universe. And yeah. yeah, that's all he was doing was studying. He wasn't out to find God. He was just studying the sky. And and after more than a decade of studying as, as a child, as a teen, he just said, I have to come to that conclusion. It, it's it's logical. It's scientific. There, There's no other way. Uh, and then since then, he's had a lot of amazing things happen to him. But uh, Dr. Hugh Ross, go check him out yourself if you're interested. But he, it's really, it's a, not just a wonderful story of his, but he also has many books where he talks about the universe and his, his discoveries and how certain things do point to a creator and how certain things are perfectly aligned uh, to show that this, this universe isn't an accident. And that kind of leads me into my next thing that I wanted to talk about. This is kind of getting, I suppose, off Genesis, but on this topic of, and because I mentioned this in the first podcast that I'm a, I'm a science, I have a scientific mindset in that science studies what is. Science seeks the truth. Science, you create a hypothesis, you put it to the test. And then you uh, you find uh, whatever evidence you are able to find, uh, and before you come to a conclusion, religion decides ahead of time what is, and then if it analyzes every if it analyzes anything, it analyzes it only in that light, and it ignores anything that disputes. Uh, the conclusion it already wants to come to. It's a predetermined conclusion. Um, a fantastic story I read uh, that, that highlights this mindset is there's a guy who says, who's going around saying, I'm dead. Uh, I died. I'm a dead man. And people are like, no, you're not dead. You know, you know, cut it out. And the guy is convinced, no, I'm dead. I died. And, and, and I'm a dead man. And they take him to psychiatrists. Uh, they can't fix them. You know, they, they tell him, you know, you, you're walking around, you're breathing, you're moving. You come on, you're not dead. No, nope, I'm I'm dead. And finally, they take him to a doctor who uh, uh, treats him as an assistant. And in his studies, they're talking about how uh, every living thing bleeds. You know, you, you can't... Uh, if you if you bleed, uh, every living thing has blood that is moving. And finally, after weeks of studying with this doctor, being his assistant, he goes, "All right, enough. I get it. If it bleeds, it's alive. Okay, I'm sick of I'm sick of this. It's all you talk about. I get it. I understand it. Every living thing bleeds." As soon as he says that, the doctor rushes over, grabs his arm, sticks him uh, with a needle, and the man bleeds. And this man, who believes he's dead, looks at that and goes, Oh my gosh, dead men do bleed. So instead of coming to the logical conclusion through the evidence that he was wrong, uh, he's, he's got a predetermined uh, conclusion and everything is just going to be seen in the light of that to me that is religion 
And religion doesn't mean uh, worshiping God. Religion is, to me, is just this mindset. Yeah. Wherever you are. So there's a lot of scientists who fall into this religious category that refuse to acknowledge it. Uh, they see everything they do as science and anything opposed to them as religion. But if you're in that predetermined mindset, and one of the things that brought this up is um, not just through this website uh, that, you know, our website that we have, not about us, but other websites where I've can contacted people. I've, I've been, you know, on message boards and things like that. Uh, a few people have very angrily talked to me about some of the conclusions I've come to. And this is one of them. Uh, people just upset with me that I talk about. Uh, God in in the light of science and reality and it is and just angrily telling me how the Bible is is uh, a bunch of fables and cannot be treated as history or or scientifically accurate in any way and and that that people getting angry with me that um that anything that to, talking about Dr. Hugh Ross and any study, any honest study of science and the universe that that where the evidence shows uh, a conclusion that would tend to indicate that there is a God, that is religion and should be ignored and thrown out. And they're doing the religious thing. They're, they have a predetermined conclusion and they're ignoring the evidence, but they see what they're doing as science. Right. And that, I guess I brought this up here because in this Genesis podcast, we cover that. Uh, and, and I've had several things happen in my life lately where people have gotten angry with me for actually daring to say that what I'm doing falls into a scientific category, not a religious category, because I'm... I'm attempting to uncover evidence and truth and discover what reality is, uh, not, not have a predetermined conclusion about what is and everything must fall into that realm. And if I don't like it, I'm going to ignore it. Right. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. So maybe that has nothing to do about Genesis, but I don't know. I guess it was just on my heart right now. But I think that's important. Apologetics is important. We have to defend Genesis. I do mm -hmm. believe that Genesis is true. I do believe that it happened the way God's word said it happened. And there, yeah. is, there is a lot of debate on this, on Genesis and Revelation. Both of them are the most attacked uh, books of the Bible. Um, and from Christians too, and that's the hard thing that I always come by, back to is, mm -hmm. you know, a Christian yeah. will believe every, will believe all the miracles of Jesus Christ, will believe that He died and was resurrected, mm -hmm. but they can't believe that there was a flood and Noah with the animals. Yeah, well, that was just a story. That that's that was a just fable. a fable. That's it. Tell it tells a, uh, uh, um, it's a it's a morality play. Mm -hmm. You know, it tells us uh, something that we should. Uh, Thank God for, but it didn't actually happen that way. Right. But I, I personally believe it does. And mm -hmm. I do believe that if you actually do honest research, you find more evidence for God's story of creation than you do in, in any of these other ideas. Big Bang theories, mm -hmm. evolution, billions of years, 
all of this kind of stuff, I think you find actually more evidence if you're willing to put your preconceived ideas. Right. And, and along these lines, uh, I was studying another, I was listening to another speaker. I was watching a podcast where another speaker was asking this question. They said, what do you do when you're a scientist studying scientific information and the information that you come up with points towards a God? He said, you're not looking for it. It just was there. Because he was talking about he got into trouble. He was a professor at a university and he's teaching scientific classes and got into trouble because what they were covering just pointed that direction. He said, for example, you, talk, you mentioned the Big Bang. He said, if we're studying the Big Bang and the evidence of the Big Bang and, and the effects of the Big Bang and all of this thing, it in and of itself points uh, to the fact that there is uh, a God or a power beyond what our natural laws can produce. Right. Because a Big Bang, uh, not, not simply was all matter and everything that exists in the universe created at the Big Bang, and it, it didn't exist before that moment in time where it happened, but time itself began at the Big Bang. Time itself did not happen, was not a thing before the Big Bang. You cannot explain that without there being a higher level of reality affecting our natural universe. Uh, they said the very fact that we're studying the Big uh, the evidence that is being uncovered by our Big Bang studies in and of themselves indicate there's a God. They said, what do you do when you're analyzing the honest evidence, you know, scientifically? It leads you to that conclusion. So therefore, people who don't want to believe in God, people who don't want these conclusions, will stop and say, you're being a creationist, you're being religious, we have to take your class and your ideas out of the scientific realm and throw them in the religious studies yep. realm. And, and this guy was talking about what do you do when you're a scientist studying the reality of the universe and these kinds of things happen. And it was, uh, it was a fascinating study, but uh, a fascinating topic. But yeah, the true scientists are running into this problem because the religious people... And like I said, I've, I've uncovered this personally. People getting angry at me on the message boards saying, I was a professor at this university for many years. I got into one, one with one guy who was like, you are a ridiculous nut job. How dare you call me religious? You know, I taught this for many years and uh, your conclusions are totally wrong and all of this. And you're just going, I... There's no way I'm going to convince you because, you know, you can't see the evidence for what it is. And that that kind of thing, I admit, it's the kind of thing that just, uh, I have to calm down. I have to take a step <laughs> yes. back and I have to go to God and say, God, you handle it because I just get irrationally angry. Oh, and I do too, to a degree. It's, it's, it reminds me of like David couldn't handle Goliath bad-mouthing God. Yeah. You know, it gets to a point where I start to feel that that defense that, you know, yeah. I can no longer handle, especially 
especially because a lot of a lot of atheists, I, I I watch a lot of debates and different things, and a lot of the atheists attack, and they uh, they specifically attack whoever they're debating, but they'll also attack God. Yeah, they'll, they'll give him disrespect, uh-huh. and it's hard for me sometimes to sit there and not start to feel that that David anger, that glorious anger, wanting to build up. So a lot of times I then just have to stop because I don't want to go down that yeah. road either. I know God doesn't. I know God is not offended. He's not. He's not. He 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 can handle it. His ego is yeah. not bruised. But it's still, it, and that's the thing I have to go back to constantly with myself uh-huh. is saying. Look, I know the reality of the situation. I know that uh, the bullet goes through my head today. If I have a heart attack and I keel over and die, if I just, if whatever, I, I go to sleep and I don't wake up, I'm aware of what my reality is, and I'm not worried about the opinions of someone who says I'm wrong. Right. Uh, I'm not worried that truth is affected by people who don't get it. Um, I'm, I hurt for them. And I'm also, I'm upset at the fact that so many of those people are misleading and causing disinformation yeah. uh, to so many, and they're they're hurting so many around the world. Well, and it's frustrating for me that they stand on it. They will die on those hill, hills, but all of their, all of their theories, at the end of the day, are still just theories. The, it's, it's the theory of evolution. Yeah. Even gravity is the theory of gravity. We haven't. But, but they will say, we stand on this as truth. We've already figured this out. We've already mm-hmm. said this is it. No, it's still a theory. Yeah. You know, until you can actually, science is supposed to be able, you're supposed to be able to, uh, you're supposed to be able to prove it and then also be able to uh, get the same result with testing. Mm-hmm. And you, they have not actually been able to do that with most of these, these theories yeah. that they have. And so they're standing on a hill that you know they say for me to prove it well the burden of proof is not on me when you're telling me about theory and that's where my frustration comes in um yeah but but no it it, it is it is difficult and the harder thing for the harder thing for me to consider is i feel guilty when i feel like i've let somebody down yeah uh with the word and then i see these people purposely letting people down and you know going down that road and that's where that that's where that that defense starts to come in and then I, and then I have to calm myself down because it doesn't do us any good. If we start going and attacking them and, re, and returning, yeah. we're supposed to return. Oh, exactly. Love, not, and this is, this is why Jesus said, love your enemies. Mm-hmm. This is why Jesus said, go win them over with love mm-hmm. because we're to study to show ourselves approved. Uh, we are to know more about God, and, and that, that's the value in this deep Bible study, but it's supposed to lead us into a deeper relationship uh, with the one who loves us. We're not supposed to stop here and go, I've studied it, I know it, that's the end result. No, this isn't the end result. This is, this is something that helps you get to the end result, which is Jesus himself mm-hmm. and that relationship. Um, now, I do remember uh, one of the reasons I covered this is because in the very first podcast, I said that I have come to this conclusion that this is reality and this is scientifically valid. I'm not going to go over that in this podcast. I'm, I've come to that conclusion. I'm just going to study the Bible and treat it as if 
you know, I've already gotten to the point where I've verified its accuracy. Right. And now I'm moving forward off of that. So that's why I didn't go into all these things about, like, the Big Bang Theory that I just talked about. Um, the evidence for the Big Bang in and of itself proving the existence of a God, or, or at least pointing, you know, that direction. And, and all sorts of things like that about the scientific nature of reality itself. Um, but... Um, it is important to, and we're not going. I'm not going to go into more of that here, because uh, it, in and of itself, is is hours and hours and hours. And 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 again, what's the point? If I mean, the point of all of this is getting into a deeper relationship with God Himself. Uh, I I I'm not messing with that for the most part in this podcast because the more you do it, it, it only causes division from what I've from what I've seen. Yep. It very rarely causes someone to go, hmm, that's a very interesting point. I never considered that before. I'll look into it. What it does is it causes people uh who hate you, who it causes people who don't want to be there to just rally the troops. Oh my gosh, he said this. We've got to ignore that completely, discredit him, attack him, and and come up with a completely different point and try to get people over here looking at something else. It becomes this is why I've said I don't debate. Yeah. I discuss. And the difference is two people in a discussion are honestly seeking the truth. Uh two people in a debate are just seeing who's the the more clever wordsmith. Uh in a debate, the person on the wrong side of truth can win the debate if they're more clever uh, uh, arguer. Right. It, you know, uh, you can have a debate between two people, and the crowd cheers for one person, and he wins the debate, and his logic was totally messed up. Uh, it was just he was more clever, more liked by the audience. His position was desired by the audience. That's all it is. Uh, a debate is just uh, a verbal bully at, uh, attacking someone else. Well, a debate can be staged because if you already go in and you have the majority of people supporting one person, yeah, you know that crowd's going to be already in a "I'm supporting this person" mm -hmm. attitude. Yeah, you know it would take uh, it would take quite the wordsmith to be able to convince someone mm -hmm. who's already set in their ways that they agree with this opinion. Yeah, but a a discussion. Uh, can be won by both people. Mm -hmm. If we're discussing, if I'm like, I cannot make this math problem work, and you look over and you say, oh, I see your problem. Two plus two equals four, not 19. You're, you know, you're messing it up. What are you talking about? I was always taught two plus two equals 19, and we get into this, but we're both honestly seeking the truth. Right. You can show me the math. I can go, oh my goodness, I was wrong now doing what you showed me, the math works. It fixes my problem. Thank you. We both win. Yes. I have moved into truth. You have converted someone. I hate to use that word, uh, really, but uh, you essentially, in a, in a true discussion, both sides can win. Even if one person admits he was wrong the whole time, he wins because now he has truth. Now his problems are solved. They, they, he can move forward uh, in truth.
Does that make sense? No, it makes total sense. Okay, but in a debate, even if the even if the winning side, even if the side that actually has truth comes out on top of the debate, the other side doesn't go. I concede. You're right. The other side goes. Drat! I lost. I've got to go back to my books. I've got to come back for the next debate, even better, to beat him down. The losing, the losing side, you know, doesn't doesn't see truth. It only ingrains him further in his deception that he was right the whole time, and that's that's why I hate debate. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'll move on with this. That was a long time. It's just a couple paragraphs here, <laughs> but. Um, I just thought this was really cool. Genesis 1. Genesis 1. God creates a house for us. We talked mm -hmm. about that. He created the earth. And the very first letter in the Bible, Beit, the very first word, Breshit, the very first letter is Beit. Uh, uh, and Beit means house. And Yah Yeshua went to prepare a place for us. It says in the Gospels, Yeshua said, it's good that I go because I'm going to prepare a place for you. And we connected this in later podcasts to the marriage. Uh, if you remember that, mm -hmm. where the husband would say, or the person would propose to the, the woman, the woman would say yes. And then he went to prepare a place for her. And usually in his father's house. And usually in his room. father's house, make a new room. Absolutely. And so this whole thing, it starts preparing a place for us this whole planet he prepared a house for us and that is a in and of itself is a physical representation of him preparing a place for us and i just noted this is a picture of how we can see the old the new testament as the same uh everything was the same uh yesterday as it has been today revelation it is all about bringing us home, bringing us to the wedding feast, bringing us to the place that he's prepared for us. It's all connected. In Genesis, it starts. He is preparing a place. He's building a house. Revelation, it ends. He's bringing us to the house that he has prepared. It is wonderful bookends, just that picture. Right. So that, that just, uh, as I was going over that again in Genesis, I, I just... I think I was crying just just <laughs> listening to that going yes it is so it is so right that he he built us a house well and, and to, in this modern American society that we live in you know it's all about in, being inclusive having including everyone and, and, and no matter what they they agree with or whatever but when you think about it God's been doing that from the very beginning mm -hmm. he's wanting to include us. Yeah, in all of this. Oh, he yes. wanted to include us into the house that he had built for us. He wants to include mm -hmm. us at, at the, at the yes. wedding feast. He wants to include us. He is love. And love wants to share. Love wants everyone involved. And that, that just popped in my head right now. And I just thought that was kind of cool. We're, 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 we talk now about being inclusive more than we have in probably our entire history of this, this country. And from the get-go, God has been saying, I want to include you. I, yeah. I want you. Mm -hmm. You know? Oh, Come yes. to me the way you are. I want you, to, and I want to include you. That's mm -hmm. that's pretty cool. Now, I I pointed this out in Genesis podcast two, but I'll repeat it here. I missed a Hebrew letter in Breshit in the Genesis podcast one. Uh, again, I've already covered this, but I'm going over all of my faults. There was one. <laughs> uh, 
so just, again, reiterating the fact that I'm human, I screw up, do not ever want to come across as I have truth, listen to me, and anyone who disagrees with me, shut up. No, that's not what I'm talking about, not what I'm trying to do. Uh, Genesis Podcast 4, I wrote down this, again, this is an important piece for me. The fullness of God created man. The original Adam, the single man, was created in his slash their image. Uh, I don't know if you remember, the wordplay was always let us create man, and then he did. You know, right. it went back and forth between singular and plural. Just talking about the plurality of the Godhead working as one, creating a singular being in his slash their image. Adam, that first being, was the fullness of God in one. We had Adam, and we had the being that would come to be known as Eve in a singular person. Uh, male, female, created together as one. Uh, we have to remember that. Eve was not created later. Eve was created at that very first moment of creation. The separation came later. Uh, dividing them out into two. Right. Uh, and then, to as a picture of that reunification, needing to come back together as one, love wanting to rejoin itself. Uh, as as a physical representation of the spiritual reality that God separated from himself, uh, a piece of himself creating us. And that is intended to be reunified with God. God wants us, his bride, to come back to him and be connected again and be one with him again. And now the fullness of love, love giving back you know now he has something to love but now that thing can love him back right um that's what it's all about and that is just it's a powerful piece uh to hang on to to get us to understand how loved we are and how important we are but it's also something i i just i want everyone to really understand this, who in some way considers women to be second-class citizens, or women in some way to be not as worthy uh, to, to, to minister, to lead, to, to whatever. Not The people who say women uh, just can't be what men are in any way, they... When they, when they treat it as that's from God and that's what God did for them and, and God cursed Eve and wants her, uh, wants her placed under and, and Eve was created second, woman was created second, man is first, man is superior. Uh, it's just, this is one piece of evidence that says you're on the wrong track. You don't understand what's really going on here. Right. But uh, anyway... Uh, in Genesis podcast five, uh, you pointed out, and I wrote this down, uh, that, uh, now this is something again, that I knew, but I was so glad you, you said it here. It connected so well to everything else that was going on. We have never been given ownership of this planet. We were given rule of the planet, or when I say we, humanity, Adam, right? Adam was given 
rulership, not ownership. God still possesses. God still owns the planet. Yeah. He can do whatever he wants with it. It's still our father's house. Yeah. We get to live in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was very important uh, because when we fell, that rule, we gave rule, rulership over to Satan. Mm-hmm. We did not give ownership. God still owns the planet. Well, and and this is a, a truth that I know as well, but it's been cemented in my head recently and made me, made me think about it. It's the same for our soul. Uh, the, Satan can come and he can tempt you and manipulate you and he can give yes. you... He could give you all the riches of the world. He can give you power and influence and all of these things, but he does not have dominion over your soul. Mm-hmm. Only God has dominion over our soul. And so it's the same kind of thing. We can we can go down that road and say, okay, yes, give it to me. I want to be rich and I want to be powerful. Mm-hmm. But then we can still be saved because God actually owns the soul. Yeah. And Satan wants to, but he, he will never be able to. Yeah. I mean, Satan tempted Jesus. I, uh, I, I remember there are some people, uh, there's some people I've met, I've had this discussion with that, uh, Satan was just a total liar, which, which he is. And I get where they were coming from with this. But when Satan tempted Jesus, everything he tempted him with, he had the legal right to offer. He had the ability to offer to Jesus Everything that was tempted to him. Mm-hmm. And he was doing what you say. He was trying to get Jesus to give him ownership mm-hmm. of his of his soul, of himself. If you would just bow and worship me, I will give you this, this, and this. Yep. Um Satan had the right to offer to Jesus what he what he offered. And I met several people who said, No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Satan was just a liar. He had no right to do that. It's like, no. He had the legal right because he had rulership. If you look at th- uh, throughout history of um, celebrities and musicians and uh, great poets and authors and painters and all of all these people, there are a lot of them that will be honest and will admit that they sold their soul to the devil to be able to have that talent or mm-hmm. to, to become more popular or whatever it is. I mean, I've been surprised lately. I've been watching a couple documentaries and just how many people will be honest and say, I got to this position because I sold my soul to the devil. Uh, they're not being secretive about it anymore. But what all of those people need to realize is you gave him that ownership, mm-hmm. but you gave it to him. It wasn't yours to give. God still owned it. So you can still come back from that. Even You, know, you yeah. still have a way out because a lot of them will say that they did it, and then they will talk about the regret of doing it. Because uh-huh. there's, it always seems like it's going to make you happy to be successful and have money and, and all this kind of stuff, and it never works. It never works because mm-hmm. Satan cannot provide that for you. Uh, so it's, you, know, you can always come back from that, and that's because truly God is in possession. He's the owner of the house and of our souls, and we can come back from that. I'm sorry, that's been on my heart lately. Um, no, no, uh, yeah. Just because I, I'm just surprised how many, um, how many celebrities and musicians, and then if you read uh, literature and whatnot from um, great authors in the past and, and painters and all this kind of stuff, how many of them will admit that in order to get this, I had to sell my soul to the devil? Sometimes, sometimes it's as if they're joking about it. Mm-hmm. But when you actually 
look a little more into it, I think that's just a defense mechanism. They're joking about it because they're ashamed of it or they're, or whatever. But many of them will say, I've made a pact with the devil. I did this. Um, Satan came yeah. to me. Um, a lot of them then say that, that uh, after, after doing that, um, they actually no longer uh, were the person. So a lot, like, a lot of uh, musicians will say that they're actually very timid, shy individuals. And these are people that will go out and do these crazy flaunting dances and, and be in, in front of you know, millions of people and all of this kind of stuff. And they'll say that it's an alternate personality that comes into them. Well, they've allowed Satan to, you know, mm-hmm. basically have a demon come into them, and 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 that's yeah. what's going on. Even that person can still be saved because they they can never actually have ownership of your soul. And that I think that just in itself is pretty cool. No matter how far, you know, we just think average everyday citizen thinks about just our own sins. Oh, I looked at porn, or oh, I drank too much alcohol, or. Oh, I was angry at my wife. Or, you know, we think about just those kind of normal sins. And sometimes we think we, we can't even come back from those. But there are people out there who have gone way down the dark path, have been buddy-buddy with Satan, and they can still come back. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's I just think that's amazing. Because God is love. He's still wooing them. Mm-hmm. Until God steps aside and goes... I'm not chasing you anymore. Mm-hmm. There's always, there's still hope. Yep. Um, which is why he's delayed the time. You know, we, we talked about that before in another podcast. I don't know where it was, you know, cause now I'm off script. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we talked about that, that um, Jesus had the legal right when he was resurrected, sent the Holy spirit, finished it all. He had the legal right to turn around at that moment and go, okay, time is up. I'm back. I'm taking every day for the last 2000 years has been a delay it's been a planned delay it's been it's been god's part of god's plan that this would happen and increase his body and increase his kingdom and increase his bride uh because of love for us uh for every one of us that he knew would be alive he give us all a chance to come to him but but it's it's a delay the moment he sets foot on this planet and goes, that's it, we're done. Uh, there's there's no more. Wherever you are, that's where you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, whichever side of the line you're on, there, there's no more chance of changing after that point. Yeah, uh, He's giving us as much time as possible uh, because he loves us. Mm-hmm. And even if... Even if we die before then, there's still going to be a point where we have a point of no return. So, yeah, you know, as always, I just encourage to start thinking about this stuff. I mean, for everyone, <laughs> your point of no return is you stopped breathing. <laughs> right. You know, so it's a, at that moment, which side of the line were you on? I mean, if you died tonight at midnight, uh, you know, this is stuff that this is like the most important topic in everyone's life. And mm-hmm. it's not discussed probably like it should be, but. Uh, if you died tonight at midnight, where do you go? What's going to happen? Yeah. You know, it's stuff to th- at least think about. And we just, we don't, we, we, you know, we always have this put off till tomorrow <laughs> kind yeah. of mentality. Or this idea that we're going to offend someone by bringing that up. So just don't discuss it. We don't want to, we don't want to make people angry. Right. Um, uh, another thing in Genesis podcast five uh, that just that, that I loved so much was God's command to man: replenish, subdue, and have dominion. 
And this is the one where um, when I went into the word replenish, uh, it was it was experience the full tale of a lover. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. So his commands to us, the very first command he gave to us was experience the full tale of of a loved one, uh, of, a, of, of a lover intimate with me. I mean, that was his very first command to man. Then follows subdue, and then follows have dominion. So we all, we tend to think, um, I'm a king. I have been made a prophet, priest, and king. I am a ruler. You know what? You're not a ruler until you're a lover first. And you're not a ruler until you're a warrior first. But it starts with love. It, the very first thing is you've got to experience my love intimately. Uh, that was his command to us. Before you move on and do anything else. And that touched me so much. God's command slash blessing is to complete this tale of love with him. And that touched me so much. Yeah. But if this is the very first podcast of ours you're listening to, <laughs> uh, you know, I encourage you, go check these back uh, where we were. Um, oh, okay. All right. Genesis Podcast 7. I wrote so much about this one, I had to flip around. Okay. Um, this is one kind of got into it with... A gentleman who decided to, uh, Brad can tell you about this guy too. I'm not going to give any names or anything, but someone decided to get into it with us in the comments and tell us how evil and horrible we were uh, because we were talking about the Nephilim and giants mm -hmm. and and where they came from. And again, go back and listen to the podcast. I'll give you my reasoning. If you have any questions, I'm again, I'm more than happy to discuss with people, but it, this is one of those times where someone was just simply angry and abusive and just hating us for having the position that fallen angels created the Nephilim and was, was just calling us names and demanding we repent and things like that. So uh, one of the things I want to cover is God finished all he had done. And in Genesis podcast seven, now this person got angry with this in a much later podcast, but he came back to these verses right here. So that's why I'm, I'm pointing them out in this. In Genesis podcast seven, we talked about God finishing all he had done. Now, Brad, let me ask you, what is it that he did? When he finished all he had done, uh, what, what is all he had done? All he had done, well, the creation, yeah, um, creation of man. Um, but I would argue that he had finished because uh, you know he's outside of time. Mm -hmm. So I would argue that he finished all that he had done. He had finished the, his time on the cross. He had finished uh, the resurrection. He had finished Revelation. Um, but all that he had done. Now, so did God create everything? Yes. Yeah. Genesis 1, and this is, this is the verse that the other gentleman stood on. Genesis 1, 31 through Genesis 2, 1. And Elohim saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day, and the heaven and the earth were finished. 
and all the host of them. So this gentleman said, everything was finished. That means the giants were created by God and they were there at this time. And so the giants were there the whole time. The giants continued later because Noah took them on the ark with him and they just went on. And he got very angry with us for because he said we were standing against the Bible. Mm -hmm. Because I even I even went to these verses and we're discussing them with him. And he responded with, "Then you know why are you why are you continuing along this air track uh, along this this erroneous path?" So Elohim saw everything that he had made. He, God didn't make everything. He, he made everything that he made was finished on that day. Let me ask you something. Is there such a thing as heat? Yes. Yes. Is there such a thing as cold? Yes. No, there's not. Cold is a, is a word we give to the lack of heat. Right. Heat is a thing. Heat is measurable. Heat can be put to the test. Heat can be changed and forced. When we subtract heat, when we have less heat, we, we, we can have more heat, we can have less heat. Cold is simply a word we give to not having as much heat as we would like. But cold in and of itself is not a thing. Cold does not exist on its own. Cold is just a word we've given to the absence of heat. Heat is a thing. Is there light? Is light a thing? Yes. Is there darkness? No. No. You know where I'm going. <laughs> darkness is the absence of light. Light can be measured. What is the speed of light? Uh, I don't know it off the top of my head either. <laughs> uh, but there is. There is a speed of light. Light travel. We can measure light. What's the speed of darkness? It doesn't exist. There is no speed of darkness other than in comics. You know, <laughs> I remember a, uh, uh, I remember, I think it was a Calvin and Hobbes comic. He's standing by the light switch. He goes flip and he jumps into bed real quick and then it goes black and he goes faster than the speed of dark. Uh, okay. <clears throat> But uh, darkness is a word we give to uh, the absence of light. God saw that there was darkness in, in Genesis, uh, first few verses there. But it doesn't say he created darkness. Uh, God, I have to go back now. God created light. And there was darkness in the absence of light. But what God created was the light. So did God create sin? No. No. Sin is the separation, the absence of God in our lives. We separate ourselves from God. God exists as an entity. God is love. God seeks a relationship. God did not create sin. Sin is the name we give to disobeying, walking away from God. God exists 
lack of God is that separation that sin causes. Sin, it, uh, so there's, this is, now where I'm going with this, so you can say, did God create the giants? Just because it says here, Elohim saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was good. The giants weren't good. Sin isn't good. Darkness isn't good. Cold isn't good. He had everything God made had a purpose and a place and was correct. The absence of all of that uh, doesn't mean God created it. What God created, God created, uh, uh, oh, now, now I'm going somewhere else. Sorry. You can think of it this way. God created the Garden of Eden. Then man got kicked out and separated from it. Uh, and so then he got, he, he, he basically, he got pulled away from this perfection. Uh, and that's what's happening with, with all of these evil things. God did not create that separation. That happened after uh, what God created in the perfect sense. God created an environment. God created a relationship. God created perfection with man in the Garden of Eden. When Adam took himself out of that equation, that separation, that division was not created by God. Uh, does that make sense? It does make sense. Okay. So, now, another verse. Genesis 2, 19 and 20. And out of the earth, Yahweh, this is going further. This is after Genesis 1 where he created everything, but now it's giving more detail. And out of the earth, Yahweh Elohim formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air. So these are the animals he's talking about. And brought them unto the man to see what he would call them. And whatsoever the man would call every living creature. So we have every single living creature brought before man. And they are the beasts of the field and the fowl of the air. Mm -hmm. Doesn't include the giants in here. That was to be the name thereof. He, Adam called, the man would call every living creature, that was to be the name thereof. And the man gave names to all of the, to all cattle and to all fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helpmeet for him. Now, only the wildest imagination can say, yeah, giants were a part of that. That, that includes giants. Again, if you have a predetermined position and you just say, I'm just going to, I just believe it and I'm going to make it fit. Well, and it's, I mean, it's open to plot holes too. Because, I mean, if, if it's everything, if everything had, that was created had to be in that moment, well, he doesn't name any other people. Mm -hmm. He doesn't name any. Wouldn't all people have to have been created in that time then by that logic if he was done? Yeah. I mean, so he's not naming giants. He's not naming all the people. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I see some plot holes. Um, 
Sorry, I'm still kind of going with this. You've spoken truth that I know, but you, you just said it in a way that's making me really think that, you know, we, we have a tendency to say we have good days and bad days. But the truth is there is no bad. There's just a, a lack of God. Mm-hmm. So technically there should only be good. But when we have bad, so I don't know if I'm saying this correctly, but this is making me, this is no, kind I, of blowing my you. mind. So there's really no reason to... To, to have a bad day there's really no reason uh to do you know we, we if there is no if there's only good and evil is just the the absence we've allowed ourselves to be absent from god mm-hmm. he didn't actually create that then there's no reason to even need evil we just have to work on more god sorry this is all <laughs> it's all jumbled. no i totally hear you and this gets into that category too. Yes, uh, another reason why we need to put an emphasis on on connecting with God intimately and personally, and knowing Him, and hearing Him, and being with Him in every situation, uh, in 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 all of our lives. For that reason, you could have what we consider a good day. Just peace and happiness, spending time with your family, having fun, laughing. And when we look back in uh, from in heaven, as we review our lives, we could look back and go, oh, that was really a bad day because I wasn't spending any time with God. I had no connection. That was all selfish. And we could have days that we consider wearying and troublesome and horrible that we look back from heaven and go, that was a very good day because we were in tune with God. We were in touch with God. I had to hit my knees that day. Yeah. And and he spoke to us and he was with us. And this was part of his plan uh, to conquer that evil over there, to, to take out that problem over here. This reshaped our hearts and drew us closer to him. God was with us that day. We have a tendency to look at everything through our human perspective and say good or evil, depending on how selfishly it affects me. Right. And we need to understand that good is how connected we are with God's perfection and God's glory and God's intimacy. And evil is everything that happens outside of that. Everything that happens absent God being in the picture. And that's where the joy comes in. If you are so with God, mm-hmm. then bad does not even exist. I was listening to someone else, the podcast uh, podcast the other day, was talking about uh, Paul and Silas praising God in prison. They had been beaten. They had been tortured. They had been thrown into prison. And they were praising God. He said, this was not a ploy. This was, they honestly were just exuberant that they were here, that God had allowed them to be here because God was with them. They were so in touch with God in that place uh, that we in our human world and through our human vision look at and say, that is obviously failing. That is obviously horrible. They were praising God because God was so with them. They knew this was all part of his plan. And they were just, they were just so excited, at least in this podcast, that's how he was presenting it. They were so excited to be here and miraculous, wonderful things happened. 
you know, because they were there. And, and, and people got saved and, 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 you know, miracles happened uh, because of the suffering they went through. And they saw God at work in all of it when we would be going, oh, this is a very bad day. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. What a bad day. You know, I, I mean, <laughs> that's where we need to be. Yeah, you're right. So that, yes, uh, that's a completely uh, another area to go with that line of thinking. What did God create and what is, you know, what is just absent of that? Because um, there's a difference. Every thing that God said is good, God created and finished at that time. But everything that exists today, the way we think about it, wasn't made at that time. In a very simple way, you could say, were you made at that time? I mean, you didn't exist 6,000 years ago. You know, God knew, you know, more people were going to come. Uh, God, God hadn't created every single individual. He created them in the sense that his plan uh, was started. And he exists outside of time, and we can go that route too. But he created everything good functioning within his plan. Right. Satan has twisted, deceived you know, and not just Satan. We give Satan too much credit sometimes. Uh, sometimes it has nothing to do with Satan. It's us. It's us. We just do it. Yeah. Uh, but essentially, a corruption has happened because of free will, because of selfishness, because of a lot of reasons. Uh, a corruption of God's goodness has occurred, which has created evil which has created a lot of garbage and a lot of darkness uh, and a lot of blindness uh, that wouldn't have existed otherwise. So all of this is to say that I'm still holding, as far as the Genesis podcast goes, I'm still holding to the position I had. Yeah. Uh, I have not been convinced that uh, that is an erroneous position that the fallen angels created the giants. I said at the time, I'm still, and I'm, I'm saying it now, I'm still open to acknowledging that I could be wrong. This argument does not convey that that is an incorrect thing. Well, and, yeah. and the problem with this situation is that gentleman... Um, no matter how how hard we would try to reply in a loving way in an understanding way, it was always given back to us with uh, with a hatred. It was given back sometimes just you know we were idiots and you're dumb and yeah and and and, and so I don't and I don't want to get personal. I don't want to I don't want to turn this into a, a a gossip column about how horrible he was, but it is to say that brings up a good point. And that's to say, um, guys, we disagree with not, not, you can disagree with me, I can disagree with you, but we all disagree with a lot of people in our lives. How do you respond to that? How do you, do you respond in love? Or do you spot, do we respond by beating them down, beating them senseless, trying to knock them into your position? Uh, cause that doesn't turn any hearts again, 
Again, God said, come to your enemies with love. Respond with love. Uh, love your enemies. There's a reason for that. Because if someone is truly wrong, someone has wronged you, I mean hurt you. Let's say they attacked and physically beat you uh, because they're a villain. Um, to turn around, to find a way to beat them back, to get back at them in the same manner, to corner them in an alley, to beat them down, to bloody them senseless, and then turn around and go, there, see how it feels? Isn't that horrible? Now are you going to become good? No, that never works. No, no it never works. It only makes them hate you even more. Uh, one thing I've learned personally in my life, whenever you respond to someone the way they're responding to you, when someone is giving me evil, in my life, when someone is presenting me with, with evil in some way, and I think, and when I was a kid, I would do this, I, I'll just turn it around and give them exactly what they're giving me so they'll see how much it hurts, and that, that'll open their eyes, right? That's yeah. the logic. Every single time it's happened, the person the person has ended up believing that I've wronged them and they never see how they've wronged me. They see it as I'm the instigator in the situation. Well, and even in that situation, you're only giving them back what they gave you, but the majority of the time it easily escalates. Mm -hmm. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you more. And it keeps growing and, and growing and you growing. hurt me, now I hurt you more until you... <laughs> and this is how wars start. Exactly. So no, it, it never it never works, and, and in this situation, it just it felt like it was like it was just going on too long. So eventually, it was kind of like I had to say, you know what, I don't want to respond anymore because mm -hmm. I just don't feel like we're we're gonna ever be able to get anywhere. And so at that point, it became just a, a, a prayer thing. It was yeah, you know, I think we, even in a conversation we prayed about it, but but it also became me. Uh, praying and I and I prayed to God. I said, God, if if, if I'm or in the wrong here, you know, help. Don't let me be so thick-headed that I can't see it. You know. Yeah. Don't let me uh, fall into this trap of thinking that my knowledge is superior in some way. Exactly. When it's not. And you know, I and and I had a few prayer sessions on that, and it never felt like like I was seeing anything from that perspective that was correct. And, and I have a hard time even talking about this for that reason, because mm -hmm. I, I'm trying my best to be accurate and present evidence as best as it can be presented. But this, in one sense, makes me sound like I'm all that and they're not. And I'm not trying to. But, but you're right. Uh, that's the main reason I wanted to bring it up in that way is to present that image of, to present that warning to people. Um, don't respond this way to anybody. It never works. The, at best, we, we both agreed that it was wisdom to just walk away uh, because there was not going to be, uh, he was, the, the gentleman was very abusive it wasn't just you're wrong, it was you're wrong, you blank and idiot, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, you are a hurtful, horrible human being. It, you know, it was just that kind of thing. I, at one point, we even responded uh, encouragingly saying, hey, you need to recognize how you're sounding 
you need to come to people with love. And he responded to us, it is love to tell people how horrible you are. Uh, so I am, I am responding in love. And at that point, we just had to say, I think we're done. There, there's nothing else that can be accomplished here. Yeah. Yeah. And I th but the whole situation just made me feel bad. And, and I didn't know, I personally didn't know how to handle it the best. So I just eventually got to a point where I said, I, you know, I think we got to be done. And it's one of those situations where I'm, I'm stupid and dumb. I can't figure it out, God, but you are wise. And I mm -hmm. know that you can figure this out. So that's why I was just like, ah, I think we got to be done. And, and then I just wanted to pray about it. And, but, but, it, but it at least opened my eyes up in a way of going, okay, am I wrong in some way? Like, mm -hmm. you know, I don't, I don't want to sit here and then, you know, keep, responding back that i know exactly everything and exactly god gives grace to the humble and he stands against uh the boastful and the arrogant uh and that we didn't want to be arrogant yeah we didn't want to say no i'm right back off we we were trying to humble ourselves and say hey i'm not perfect what have i missed i just felt for me it took a little bit because i got, almost felt like a failure in a way because um d during that time um, there was some other stuff going on that I was watching where I was watching Christians like falling away from each other and in a conversation at that time. And then also in some of the stuff I watched, it's like, there's this, this, this outcry going out that no, now more than ever, we should not be falling apart from each other. Now mm -hmm. more than ever, we need to be getting together as, as, as the body of Christ and be strong. And, and, uh, I was noticing that there was like this. Uh, some some of the YouTube channels that I follow, they were talking about there were people in their lives that just suddenly were saying, you know what, I'm done with you. And these were, you know, all Christians. And I'm just done with you. And, and just, I saw it there too. And I'm like, I don't want to add to the <laughs> to the separation. Mm -hmm. But, you know, ultimately I can't control it. If it happens, it happens. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I was having a little bit of a hard time with that whole thing. Just I felt like like I failed in some way. I don't want to, I don't want to be the reason that somebody is separating from, you know, the church, the body. And so I just, I had a hard time with it, but I've since come to terms with it. And, and I understand that, that this is the most deceptive time. This is the, the enemy is at yeah. his, you know, worst right now. And so uh, the encouragement, I guess, from this is just, no, try your hardest. This is the time to stick together. And these little, little debates here or there that these little uh, disagreements here and there, we got to try to put them to the side um, and just be in love with each other so we can love God, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. We're not going to have unity. We're not going to have true unity until we are fully unified with him first. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause only when he is the head is full is, is allowed to absolutely control his body. Will the body be in sync? Um, but I'm going to move on here, uh, from that. Uh, I think we spent way too much time on that one. I, I didn't want to go that much into it, but this one was awesome to me. Genesis, again, it's from Genesis podcast number seven. The sword of the spirit is the word of God, right? Mm -hmm. Now, what we were talking about is, um, uh, we were talking about seven. I, I believe this is the one we were talking about numbers. Uh, what numbers meant, or I forget exactly what was going on that triggered me with this, 
but I had I suddenly had this image, uh, and I think you too, uh, going into Revelation, might have inspired this, but the weapon of the Holy Spirit is Yeshua. And I never saw that before. Uh, I, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So I always had this picture of the Word of God. You know, like the even in Revelation, this flaming sword coming out of his mouth. Mm -hmm. I pictured, you know, like uh, uh, the Word of God metaphorically being a sword slicing through whatever it needed, you know, to cut through. Slicing through lies, slicing through deception, uh, slicing through the enemy. Uh, and... But it occurred to me, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. The Word of God is Yeshua. So, is the weapon of the Holy Spirit Yeshua himself? Seven is the number of resurrection, the Father's perfection and rest. It is the number that is represented by Yeshua. Now, then that number, seven, we've talked about this before in other podcasts, seven is represented by the Hebrew letter Zion, and it is the picture of a sword. And we've talked about that before. Uh, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. I started to piece it together. Now, maybe everyone else listening is going, yeah, duh, I've had that down. Yeah. But... But I had this image of the sword of the Spirit as the Word of God being, like, imagine a sword in your hand and thinking of that like, like a metaphor for what the Word of God accomplishes. I had never connected that with the sword of the Spirit being the Word of God, being Yeshua himself. And it just it blew my mind. It makes that sword a whole lot powerful. Mm -hmm. I mean, the sword was already powerful, yeah. but now when it's actually Yeshua himself. Yeah. Wow. So, is the word of God the sword that the Holy Spirit wields to, to accomplish, you know, whatever? Hmm. If you think of, think of it that way. I'll just move on with that. <laughs> Uh, Genesis podcast 12, I just reiterated this. This was just so powerful to me at the time. It still is. Woman was taken out of man. Man. Ish. A man. Ish shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. Uh, that, that word change. Ish, meaning man, as a male or as mankind, but it refers to great or mighty as opposed to Adam, Adam, that was a hypocrite, a lowly sort. And just what we talked about there, just the, this being prophetic of Jesus himself, uh, leaving his father and mother and cleaving to us his bride. Uh, it just, it still holds the same power for me as it did back then. Uh, that was just, that was just a, a, an awesome point. Yeah. Ah, uh, here's some, here's some other things about Eve, uh, that I want to go over. Uh, Gen that came from Genesis podcast 15. So we're getting towards the end of this thing. God's question after the sin, after the fall, who told you you were naked? 
uh, Adam's response. The woman you gave me. He didn't just say, the woman. He goes to God and says, the woman that you gave to me, mm -hmm. offered it to me to eat. And I, I had come to the conclusion that in part that represented religious leaders uh, giving us the stuff that is not from God. Uh, this was a picture of people that we say, God, you gave me this pastor, this prophet, this leader, this online, this TV preacher, this, this, whatever. And I took it because they gave it to me because you gave me them. In the podcast, I kind of talk about that. But I realized this coming to that conclusion comes from a trail that's difficult to explain in a short soundbite. It, uh, it's one of those things that if I just say uh, from this, God's question, who told you you were naked? Adam's response, the woman you gave me, offered it to me. If I say that's representative of a televangelist. Uh, giving you what's not of God. There's a lot of people, I, I get how just just saying that, there's a lot of people who are going to go, nah, -uh, you're, you're pulling that out of thin air. And it doesn't come, so when we go back uh, to other Genesis podcasts, we have, uh, we've gone to uh, Ruach HaKodesh is feminine. Uh, Adam was made in the full image of God. Eve was Adam and was created at the beginning. Eve was there when Adam was created, which we've discussed earlier in this podcast too. Uh, she was not created later. The full image of God was in the singular man, Adam. Adam and Eve, male and female, were in the one. Eve is the feminine side of God. At the rib separation, where God places man under, takes a rib out, creates Eve, it was not a new creation. It was removing the feminine side that was already there, splitting the two up. The feminine side of God is the Holy Spirit that we've gotten into before. Eve was given as Adam's helpmeet by God. So when you take all of these points individually that we've gone over, and now we get to this verse, and I come to the conclusion that I, I believe that one of the things it represents is the people, the bride, the woman, the feminine side, us representing the feminine side, the people coming who say they're from the Holy Spirit to help us, to protect us, uh, to guide us, who are not giving us truth, but are giving us the fruit that we should not eat, that God said, don't go there. Um, this is a picture of that. Now that you see each individual piece of how we got here, you start to go, okay, I see where you, you ended on that conclusion. And the reason I brought this out, and one of the reasons it jumped out to me here is because I come across this thing so many times. I've done, I've done a lot of studying. I've done a lot of research. I've had a lot of prayer, uh, a lot of just 
connecting with God and, and, and what do you want from me? What do you want to show me? Years and years and years on one subject come to a conclusion based on all the little pieces that got up there. And then someone says, what's your conclusion? I give them a sound bite. And there's no way to explain the years that got you here in five seconds. Right. You know, in just that that thing, you're, you know. Um, for example, I've, I did say this in another podcast. I don't celebrate Christmas or Easter because I'm a Christian. Because I believe in Jesus Christ. That in and of itself is one of these types of statements. I have many, 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 many blocks of information that built helps to build this 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 building, uh, this platform, whatever you want to call it, that got me to this place. But just that one statement, I don't do Christmas or Easter because I'm a believer in Jesus Christ confuses people at best. <laughs> well, I can speak from personal yeah. experience. That was that was what made me more curious about you. Because mm -hmm. uh, at, at work, we had to sign up to take a holiday. And I, I don't remember if I'd already seen your name down for like Christmas or something like that. And, and I was just like, well, that's weird because yeah. I know you of, uh, as a Christian. You know, we've, we've had a few conversations barely knew each other, but we had a few conversations and I picked up on that and I knew you had a kid and, and, and a wife and I was like, well, why wouldn't he want to celebrate Christmas? And so I just, uh, uh, I don't know if I just asked the question or what, but you, you said that exact same thing. I mean, you said, well, it's because I am a Christian, I don't celebrate. And mm -hmm. then we got busy because it's the clinic and all this kind of stuff. And I pondered that for the rest of that day. Just I specifically remember that. Uh, the, the, I think the question had gone around. I think someone asked me, what are you going to do for Easter? Yeah. And I said, I don't do Easter. Uh -huh. And I just kind of left it at that. And I could tell it was like I was at the one desk. Someone else had decided me and you were over there. And I could kind of see you're kind of like, what in the world? <laughs> and you had this. And so I remember specifically going, that is very confusing. I, I get that. So as I was walking out for the day, I think I walked by and went, uh, Brad, I just want you to know, I don't celebrate Easter because I'm, because I knew you were going, but I thought he was a Christian. Right. I said, I don't celebrate Easter because I'm a believer in Jesus. I wanted to make certain you knew I wasn't an atheist. I wasn't rejecting God. You know, I don't, I don't celebrate Easter because I am a believer. And walked away. And then you've kind of told me later like, that it was like, what? I don't remember how long until <laughs> we finally talked about it. But ever how long it was, I just kind of, it just stuck with me. I'm pondering it. Uh, I, I, like, I don't understand. Mm -hmm. you know. But usually it makes people hate me. Right. Yeah. But I don't know if that's just not my temperament or what. But, but it was, it, it made me more interested. And then when I'm interested, then it becomes a, I got to investigate. I got to know more. And I mean, if it hadn't been that, you know, who knows if we would have gotten this yep. far. But, but yeah, no, it was for me. It was not immediate hate because I was because 
I've already had my own, I mean, my journey with God has been, it's been a lot more negative than it has been positive. Um, yeah. Until I finally hit my knees and said, okay, I'm yours. You know, you know, on that line, um, in my comic book, I don't know if I've talked about this in this podcast, but in, in the third, in my, my comic book, Spirit Man, I, I was intentionally dealing with that. The people who call themselves Christians that have created more negative things in this world than positive. Mm -hmm. Because uh, in, in that one, he's the, one of the main characters is witnessing to two other people. And the girl, Chelsea, in the comic, he's telling, the, the, uh, the, the guy is telling her how much um, that Jesus loves him, Jesus loves her, and, and God loves her, and he gave his life for her, and, I, and, and, and the whole gospel story. And at one point, she just grabs him and throws him against the wall and pins him there and says, stop it, stop what you're telling me, you know. And, and she just... She goes off about how dare you, how dare you tell me uh, that God loves me and how dare you tell me all of this when everyone who claims to represent God has treated me like I'm nothing, mm -hmm. has has abused me, has hurt me, uh, you know, and, and on and on. And she's just crying and, and uh, he realizes that Martin is the main character's name. Martin realizes that that he he can say, well, that's not right, and they were wrong, and he can he can come at it logically with an argument, but he just I mean he sees her in this position, and he knows she's right. He knows she's been hurt by people who have come to her in the name of Jesus, uh, who have done this, and he just says, "You're right. I'm sorry." And she says, what? And just that humility. And uh, just, he says, you're right. Uh, I've done it myself because I've been a coward. Uh, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't been brave enough to come to you at times when I should have and been there for you. I've just been hiding in the shadows. Uh, but more than that, more than me, there are thousands, there are tens of thousands who are hurting people in the name of Jesus, who are, who are being deceptive, being wrong, being whatever. And he said, for all of them, I'm sorry that that's wrong. And it shakes her, just the fact that he would humble himself. And she goes, no one's ever said that to me before. She said, what? She goes, that, that, that they're sorry. And, um, and the whole thing with the comic is you were seeing what was going on in the physical side on one side and what was going on in the spiritual on another. So Spirit Man was having a battle with these uh, demonic forces uh, uh, that were seeking to stop this from happening. And he, Spirit Man was being beaten at that point. And when he humbles himself and says, you're right, I'm sorry, that's what hits her. And that's what starts to open her heart. In the spiritual world, Spirit Man has a as a second wind, so to speak, and, and is able to defeat the things that's crushing him. Right. But that's my favorite of the comics we put out so far. Uh, but she ends up leaving. And I like in the fact, I didn't want her to go. I thought it'd be completely unrealistic for her to go, oh, well, then I believe. You know, no, she, she takes that and it hits her, but she still runs away and goes, I've got a lot to deal with. 
uh, you know, and, and we're, and if you're following along, you know, I've, I've written more comics and we're going to see, she's got a journey to deal with, but that's, it starts to open her heart. It starts to open her eyes. And I think I was going with that because of the humility, the, the fact that I was trying to deal with the fact that God is love. God is perfect. God is awesome. God loves you. The people who call themselves his very often don't. Mm -hmm. We can't fall into the trap. It's not a trap. It's to see, this is, this is so difficult and it's so complex. God wants us to be his image on the earth. He wants us to reflect him to the people living in darkness. But so many times we reflect the wrong image. And that is so painful. Mm -hmm. And because, because it's true. Because there are things like the Crusades. There are things, you know, that, that have gone on through history. <clears throat> I, I remember, uh, I, I watch, uh, I think I mentioned it before, One for Israel. Yeah, I know. I've shouted them out. Uh, and I love it. Go check them out. They're an awesome organization. And it's an awesome podcast. But there's so many testimonies of, of Jews who were talking about they, they came out of the concentration camps in, in Hitler's concentration camps and just being tortured and killed. And, and yet it would be Christmas time and they'd hear these soldiers singing about the love of Jesus and, and, and they couldn't. You know, at the time, you know, it was talking about that's what Jesus meant to them. And, you know, and it, it gives their testimony of later coming to realize he is the Jewish Messiah. He's not Catholic. He's not, uh, it wasn't a white man. He was a Jew. You know, and all, all of these stories of these, these Hebrew Jewish people coming to the true Messiah. Uh, but that was, that was how many people have done horrendous, horrible things in the name of Jesus to people. How many of us are doing it every day by saying, I'm a Christian, I love you, and shunning our neighbor, or gossiping about this person, or just whatever it is, do we realize how that's affecting people? Do we realize how people are saying, well, if that's God, I don't want it? Um... Boy, I don't know where that, that just kind of took off. But that's an emotional thing for me. Uh, the fact that I have to look back in my life and say, how many times, oh, how many times did I not present God correctly? And, and, and the reason I hang on to that is because when I see someone else doing it, I try not to hate them. I try to I try to personalize it and pity them and pray for them and love them because I don't want to be hated. I don't want to be hated for for the screw ups that I've made and will continue to make. Um, but it but it is a very emotional thing for me is yeah. to see people in the name of Jesus Christ hurting others. Um, Okay, how, how much time have we spent? I, it's about an hour and a half. Oh my goodness. I had no idea this would go on this long. So <laughs> I'm, 
Okay, just a couple other things. I realized we talked about enmity between Eve's seed and Satan's, and we talked about that. You know, the whole prophecy it will crush the head of the serpent. You know, it will bite the head of the man or bite the foot of the man, and all that. But for whatever reason, it suddenly occurred to me: enmity between Eve's seed and Satan's. Satan has a seed. Yeah. I mean, we've always thought about the seed of man being humanity, but Satan has a seed. And we, you know, we can kind of see it metaphorically, and we can kind of see it, you know, I mean, Jesus went to the Pharisees and said, you are of your father, the devil, you know, uh, and something like that. But it connects on every level. Satan has a seed. And again, this, this does go back to the giants uh, that we talked about earlier in the Nephilim as being a representation of that as a literal physical seed uh, of the spiritual forces at work here. But, I mean, just like the serpent itself, the physical serpent continued. He didn't end the serpent's line. He didn't say, you are dead because it's chopped the head off the serpent. He cut its legs off. I uh, said, you're going to slither on your belly for the rest of time uh, because of what you've done. But it had a part to play. It was cursed. It, he, he let it continue for a reason. But the serpent had a seed. And I started, that, that, that suddenly hit me, that uh, there's a seed of Satan. I have thoughts and theories about that, but nothing that is that it's just in kind of like my head what I think about that. But um, Jezebel is one that I always think of as being the seed of the snake. Uh, she's mentioned multiple times as as doing something similar to what Satan does, you know, manipulating men and bringing them to their fall. And then it also mentions about her seed or about all her children. And so I, I, I think of like people like that, the mm -hmm. giants, anyone, anyone, Goliath. I mean, he has such hatred for God, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that's the seed of, I mean, yeah. but it can be humans too, I think. Um, but I think. Oh yeah. There's, there's many, many, many levels to mm -hmm. it. It was just really occurring to me that there is a literal physical level mm -hmm. for the first time. I, you know, I always saw it as metaphorical. I, if I thought about it at all, I really focused on the seed of Eve. Well, it's very clear. Right. That's humanity. That's us. You know, we are, as as Aslan say, the sons of Adam and the daughters of Eve. You know, I mean, there, there's the seed of Eve. We all go, yeah, we know what that is. What's the seed of the serpent? You know, again, metaphorically, spiritually, a lot of answers, all correct. Mm-hmm. But physically, there's an answer, you know? And I was like, whoa, I never really considered that before. I mean, I think, I think the whole manipulation of, uh, of messing with the DNA of animals and man and all of that, I think mm -hmm. all of that is the seed. That's not, that wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't from the line of Adam. That wasn't from the line of Noah. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't what eventually led to yeah. Jesus. It had been manipulated. You know, so therefore, that's the seed of him. Uh, but you're right; there is multiple levels to that, and it's it is interesting. It's one of those things where um, we don't 
think about it. We focus on the, the good of it. We focus on the, yeah, the, the, the victory, hurrah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to be, we're going to be part of the, the, the crushing of the snake. But so then you miss the next, uh, I, I follow some people in, uh, who do Bible studies and the one thing that they always, that they always really preach, it's like, keep reading. Yeah. You know, because uh -huh. you get to a point where you're like, oh, yeah, that makes so much sense, so much sense. Keep reading. Because mm -hmm. there's still something there, you know? Yeah, there's more to this. Now, we talked about this too. The serpent lost its legs. And we've talked about how, like, even we talked about the, the serpent will bite the heel of man. We talked about foot representing peace. Mm -hmm. Foot, the feet are shod with peace. And uh, Satan takes our peace from us. Uh, we, we talked about that in a podcast. But I realized the flip is also true. Serpent lost its legs and its feet. Oh. God took his peace. Oh. And this is when enmity was put on between the serpent and Eve. So this was this was not simply saying uh, that this was a curse on the enemy. This was not simply saying Eve Adam, because you screwed up, now there's going to be trouble. This is also saying, Satan, you're going to get it. Yeah. I mean, this was, he took Satan's peace. Uh, uh, see, from now on, there's enmity between you, and we're coming for you. I mean, this is, this is really, when you think about it that way, this is a proclamation to Satan that um, uh, you're going to have nothing but trouble till the end. Well, you think about it this way, it was wounded, but you can heal a wound. Uh-huh. But when you... He, he removed his feet yeah. entirely. Yes. yes, there's no coming back from uh -huh. that. Oh, that's interesting. So he took his peace from him. Yeah. Because I, I remember talking about that, that God put enmity. And we discussed that before as maybe being a protection for man, you know, gearing him up, getting him ready, making him aware preparing him for the battle, that kind of thing. But he put enmity. We think of it from man's side, but he put enmity on Satan too, on the serpent. You know, there was no enmity between them before. We talked about that again from man's point of view, but think about it the other direction and it's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last thing I had, Genesis study 16, uh, pain in English. Uh, in the King James Version, it was sorrow. That English word is used twice, but they both came from different Hebrew words. And the reason I brought this up again is just as a, it, it reinforces something I've been aware of a long time ago, but I wanted to share with everyone. This is something that can cause confusion, at least in the English language translations. Uh, because the, the, the translation is correct. Uh, the word used is not wrong, but we see it as the same word, not two different Hebrew words. Itzabon, uh, um, the state of being worried, an etseb, an earthen vessel, a pang of body or mind, an idol. Uh, these are the two words. Now, both of them can also refer to pain or sorrow. And so the English translation was not wrong, uh, but it can cause confusion in the fact that we, in English, 
see the same word used and think it means exactly the same thing, and it doesn't. Uh, there is a different iteration being used in Hebrew. Um, judge is another one we've mentioned before in another podcast, I believe. I forget where I've mentioned what. But there are many times, like, uh, the Bible says, do not judge, lest ye be judged. Then in another part of the Bible, it says, my people perish for lack of judges. And one side is saying, don't judge. And another is saying, we need more judges. What's going on? Well, when you look at the Hebrew, you realize there's two different words at play. Uh, there's, there's multiple word usages. And, and the context of both is, do not condemn, lest ye be condemned. Uh, do not, you, you're not God. Right. You do not have the right or the authority to say that you are going to hell. Uh, you are, you are uh, not worthy of God's love. Get away from me. You do not have that right. Do not condemn. Do not judge, lest ye be judged. Judge is a correct word to use in that situation. The word judge in English can mean condemn. We perish for lack of judges. We perish for lack of people that can correctly analyze a situation and come to a correct conclusion and teach others about what that conclusion is and the proper course of action to take. Is that a definition that means judge in English? Yes, it is. You, you go to the state fair and you present your blueberry pie and someone comes and judges it and gives you a blue ribbon and they're saying you're the best they can't they analyzed and came to a conclusion that means to judge uh so in english both translations are not wrong but they can be they can lead to a confusing situation where we think the bible contradicts itself and it doesn't that's another reason i'm trying to get back to the hebrew and understand it in that context. Well, judge can judge can go either way. Being condemned is pretty much one way. Mm -hmm. But being judged, it can be judged in your favor. It can be judged in your favor. It can be but, judged in the other way. But in English, to judge someone can mean to condemn someone. Right. To to say, you know, I judge you the going to hell, going to prison, going whatever. You know. That's why it is so important to to investigate this further and look into that yeah. because you know, don't judge. Well, I could, it could, you could judge me and it could be in my favor. So exactly. So what is the Bible talking about when it uses that word judge? What right. is going on in the Hebrew mindset? What is going on in the context? Um, what, what is it saying when it says don't judge versus yes, you should judge. We look at that in English and we say, well, what's going on? It says don't, it says do, I don't get it. Right. That's why there's a confusion uh that shouldn't be there but i can't blame the translator because they translated the word correctly in both situations uh because in english it can mean both things so this is another one pain and sorrow it was used twice in the same sentence or in the same text uh same verse but there were two different hebrew words being used here it just highlighted that for me and that's why i wanted to bring it up here very good well we went way too long probably. oh my goodness probably but <laughs> but i think this i think this is good i think you know analysis of what we're what we're doing and 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 
it's almost like it's almost like a two witness thing. Like we put it out there once. Yeah. We go over it again, and it's almost like we, you know, we're 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 testing it. We're 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 judging it. We're, we're the the, the second witness is us a year down the line with a different perspective and different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Almost. Yeah. And so I, I don't know. I think this is good. So yes, maybe. Sorry if. Uh, you know, an hour and 44 minutes isn't what you were wanting today. Um, yeah. But thank you for those that did stick around. And and I so, hope it was a blessing and I hope it was worthwhile for you. Yeah, yeah. I hope that made, I hope that was enjoyable for people who have already gone over all of the Genesis podcasts up to this point. You weren't finding it redundant. Uh, I, I hope there was something new. Uh, if nothing else, just to say, I'm human. I screw up even even the points where I found something new. Didn't find it the first time because uh, I am limited and human. And and as always, we're not saying follow us. This is not about us. We're saying he's the one with all truth, all knowledge, all love, all wisdom. I hope this is encouragement. As I've said before, I'll say it again, that you are seeking more greater intimacy with him, not with us. If you drop us, never listen to us again. Shut this podcast off. Unsubscribe. Go away. Okay. I don't care. As long as you subscribe to that podcast. Uh, you know, uh, I know how that sounds. But, you know, uh, connect with him. That's the only thing that matters. Yeah. I, I like that. <laughs> so, as always, this has been Scott. And this has been Brad. And this is not about us.